Hi, and welcome back to today's edition of Fresh New Shorts, a collection of short stories written and read by the author. This series is following the collection of stories found in the book A Physicist Guide to Love and Other Natural Phenomena by author John Blackmore. In today's story, listen to people remembering Jack Jefferson, the Dean of Game Show Hosts, his misadventures with Chinese television, and redemption through a plasticine panda. The Dean of Game Show Hosts The Writer Writing for game shows is not the plum job of television. He rubs his hands together. They were gnarled balls like root clumps to make solid bowls. Merls? Burkles? Burls. You're thinking of burls. You learn facts when you write for game shows. He leans in to confide. Bitterness when you write for comedy. People make a big deal how sitcoms define America. Honeymooners, Sanford and Son, all in the family. You know what happens. A Columbia professor writes a thesis and we all become Sally Field at the Oscars. Jack hated professors. Not that he didn't like smart people. He loved them. But he didn't like people who knew they were smart. Game shows, not sitcoms. Tell America's story. Look at 21 and Charles Van Doren in 1957. That, that was the birth of the 60s. Don't trust the establishment. Comedies of the time? Leave it to Beaver. Father knows best. Jack had the first black man on a game show as a contestant. Well before Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was a movie or Diane Carroll appeared on television. Fast forward 40 years to Sweden's Expedition Robinson, the first Survivor show. It set the stage for Big Brother and YouTube and popping Mentos into Pepsis to make you more famous than winning a Nobel. Game shows are the grandfathers of reality TV, and reality TV is this world we now have, a world without story or attention span, just bits. He lights a cigarette and chokes a laugh. We did have a Nobel laureate on during Big Brain Week. We invited professors to press your luck from around the country, so Jack asked, In chemistry, what is the third element of the periodical table? The professor from Rutgers pressed the shamrock. He smirked. He said, There are no elements on the periodical table, but lithium would be the third element of the periodic table. Dr. Rutgers shook his head. Jack held out his hands the way he always did to say, what's up? Smarty Pants said, like we're discussing the Nixon tapes or Bobby Sands, shows like this are what's wrong with America when people like Jack Jefferson are the arbitrators of fact and intellect, when knowledge is a joke with a laugh track. I see, Jack said. You mean like, like this? Lithium, everyone. The professor knows what he's talking about. Or maybe cesium. He's a bad guest. Or helium. He has no sense of humor. Or I know, I know. Get rid of him. He's a bore on my show. He laughs. Tears come to his crinkled blue eyes. Writing for game shows was not the plum job in television, but we had a good run. Jack believed everyone had luck. 
He believed in people. Everyone deserved a chance. The Winner I was the first of my family to appear on television. Now everyone's on television. But in those days, the 70s, I was the first. I was teaching high school chemistry in New Mexico to Pueblo Indians, and they hated me. It was March holidays, and my mother reserved a ticket to the show for me. I got lucky and was called up from the studio audience. I still remember the questions. To be honest, those 12 minutes are the most vivid memories of my life. Television focuses everything. Of course, the day Dolores and I got married was memorable, and the birth of each child, and we nursed one back from leukemia. But those 12 minutes are fluorescent. I've watched those 12 minutes a hundred times. It's an annual event. We watch the tape every year on my son's birthday. He shows a VHS tape with Press Your Luck on the label. You know the game, right? Well, to get to the second round, my answer was pie. My game of chance was roulette, and I got every answer except one. Mount Kilimanjaro, Fort Sumter, Ozone, and Arachnid. I missed, I missed the Oakland A's, even though they were my favorite team. So I had three chits and two balls. I went for both black and red and odd and even, so I was guaranteed the camera kit and the upright vacuum. But the grand prize was a golden Mustang. Black 17 did it. I can still see the ball falling into the slot. I can still hear the audience. Yes, it, it did change my life. Jack made me a celebrity. If one of the students got a B on a test, I took him for a spin round the track in the Mustang. You can't do that kind of thing now. But more importantly, I got the notion I was lucky. My show date was March 17. I named my first son Patrick, even though there's not a drop of Irish blood in us. Patrick's the one who got cancer. But I knew he wouldn't die. I had faith in my luck through those dark days with my son, and those were, those were dark days, let me tell you. Jack didn't let us down. The Brotherhood of Game Show Hosts The Carter White House invited three of us to go to China. Me, Matt Greening, and of course, Jack. Jack Jefferson was the dean of game show hosts. Matt was the young upstart with new ideas. Me, well, I was the good-looking one. He laughs and smooths his unlined face. People credit Nixon with the China thaw, but Carter was the one who really made it something. I'm surprised Nixon hadn't called us. He hated Hollywood, but Nixon liked game shows. Did you know that? He once called me personally. I spoke to the majority, he said, the good, honest Americans living good, honest lives, hoping to get a leg up on the American dream, winning a Florida vacation, a brand new car, or a washer-dryer. In Peking, 
we met with men from the Chinese State Television Service, all of them in uniforms. It was in a big communist building, real close to the Forbidden City. The whole thing struck me like a back lot of a Hollywood studio, sets and studio space. Pretty quick, we figured out the U.S. State Department hadn't really explained who we were. We thought we were going to talk game shows, but they brought out tapes of Rich Man, Poor Man, and Roots. I nearly burst a blood vessel when Chicken George started talking Chinese. The head producer, the general, wanted to produce a series about Mao's struggle, and another one about the people's struggle and another about the struggle with the Russians and the Japanese. Struggle, struggle, struggle. It was all struggle. Listen, if I've learned anything in this business, it's people say they want struggle, but what they want is happy. We weren't quite sure what to do. I mean, none of us were Marvin Chomsky or Bill Bixby. A couple of days of this, and we're back in our hotel room, You know, these people don't need any more history, Jack said. I remember his words. They need a present. They need unpredictability, luck. These people need a game show. We were supposed to meet with the Chinese officials the next morning. They're always wanting to get together bright and early, but we put them off until noon and then four that afternoon. Jack locked the translators in the room with us, and we started working out concepts. Jack honed a Jeopardy pitch. You know, when in doubt, you go to Merv Griffin. He's the prophet. Of course, the Jeopardy we knew in those days was before Alex's time. The translators helped us create standard categories. Chairman's life, chairman's words, people's struggle, Chinese geography, Chinese history. Contestants answered questions and won tokens to use in the luck part of the game. When Jack, he hit on using Mahjong as the game motif, I really knew I was working with a genius. My idea for a show? Yes, you don't go to a pitch meeting with one swing. It was a party game concept. Charades from the people's struggle. You know, act out the Battle of Nanking. We were in the conference room. Jack moved furniture around, put up charts with his categories on blackboards, assembled a contestant's row with the translators. Jack gave them mahjong tiles when they answered questions correctly. Jack pointed to Matt, who banged a gong, and the one with the most tiles advanced to stage two. She had three minutes to complete as many pairs of mahjong tiles as she could from a big board. Underneath each pair of tiles was a prize, you know, rice cooker a new bike. The translators were really into it. They were squealing by the end. Jack could always bring out real emotion in his contestants. But our hosts, they weren't buying it. Jack did that thing he does, holding out his hands to his side to say, well, your answer? Nothing. Jack was breathing hard and I saw the realization dawning on him. He had really put himself out there. So I jumped up and started pitching the party game. I was acting out Mao's long march. I tried to get the translators to throw guesses, but they were deflated. 
But Jack was a trooper. He joined in. We were making total effing fools of ourselves. Finally, we stopped. Matt came up to the front and faced the producers. He called his idea wacky Chinese. While we thought Matt was sick all week, he had managed to listen and learn a few things. He said we should use the massive population, don't single out people like we do in America, and make the whole audience the show. Turn the concept on its head. Most Chinese words were two or three characters smashed together. The translator had explained that to us. The word for oil, like for a car, and lime, for gin, were two characters each, but they shared one character in common. You've got a lot of potential for fun there. Get big crowds of people, get them together, give them a character, they find a match for a particular secret word, ergo, film the mayhem. The general stared at Matt. It was a moment of total and perfect disconnection. I could see this because I knew what connection looked like. I had seen it when Jack worked with a contestant to pull the best out of him for an audience. The general snorted at the three of us. He clicked his fingers and issued a stream of Chinese. One of his lackeys ran from the room and came back with a manila envelope. We asked the translators what was happening, but they didn't say anything. The general took out two photographs from his envelope. Face-on shots of two men, each holding a sign with Chinese on it. He said something to us for the translators. These men have made crimes against the people, she said. Because you like games, let's say we are going to play a game. Let's say you select one of these men to be set free. However, the other one will have his sentence increased. I laughed to break the tension that was now in the room. Well, hey, are we talking real here? Our Chinese hosts didn't say anything. How long will it be increased? Matt asked. Jack was quiet. It is difficult to say, but for our game, it may possibly mean he will not return from the prison, the translator said. The general spoke again, and the translator related. So it is to Mr. Jack, which man, who will win this game? Jack wasn't talking. He was looking at the general. I think he was trying to size him up. Sometimes we played poker and Jack was good. Not Vega's good, but good. What if we brought each man here and tried... The general interrupted Jack, and the translator explained. He has asked you to point to a picture. He doesn't think, with respect, you need to say anything else. Jack, I said, this is just a game, like Indian poker. It's a bluff game. He's just putting us all on. It's a big dick thing. It's a game. I reached into my pocket and pulled out an American quarter. Flip it, Jack. Let the man have his fun. The general spoke. No luck, the translator said. Mr. Jack must pick the man. We waited for what seemed an awful long time. I won't pick either one, Jack said. 
The translator relayed this to the general. For the first time, the general let a little lick of smile cross his face. Choose no one, and let's say each man will have ten more years in prison. In this game, there is no luck. We do not play games, she said. There's a long pause. Maybe the sound of breathing. Jack looked both pictures over and pointed to the one on the left. I need to know his name, he said. His name was Jinwei. Jinwei wins, Jack said. The general barked something out. The translator said, The other man's name is Bai Man Rui. Remember that, too. Driving back to the hotel, I told Jack it was all a put-on. There's nothing serious about it. I elbowed Matt to back me up. He was a good producer, but not a great actor. Jack didn't come to any other meetings with the Chinese television producers. He stayed in the hotel room until the flight home. Man Rui was a scientist we found out after. Particle physics or nuclear stuff, I think. Jack stopped hosting Pressure Luck after that season. He dropped out of the business for a year, but then came back in a surprise. Children's TV. Something with Play-Doh? Matt went on to meet Charlie Parson, and they hatched the idea for that Crusoe show in Sweden. The rest? The rest is history, as they say. History. The daughter. Dad chose claymation. She looks at an ornate urn with dragons on it. No, he's not in there. That's just decoration. Claymation. His ashes are mixed into Manrui, the giant panda. Jerry's imaginary friend from Travels with Jerry. I loved him, you know. His first kids, my half-sisters and brother didn't. They hated him for leaving their mother for mine. She was an animator for Manrui. She's the one who came up with the idea of Manrui changing shapes. After all, he's plasticine, my mother said. Dad didn't turn his back on game shows. He still talked about them. He talked about them a lot. He said Shakespeare had it all wrong. All the world was a game show. Adam and Eve failed the first skill-testing question. Cleopatra picked the wrong bachelor. Philip of Spain, Napoleon, the Russians, they all got too greedy or bailed too fast or didn't listen to the question. Dad said the answer to every quiz was hidden in the question itself. The answer to a riddle was not somewhere else. It was inside the riddle. It was inside you. The Brotherhood Someday, like westerns and disco, people will recognize this genre and know Jack. Jack was the Shakespeare of his craft. The Writer At his wake, I said, Unlike Antony, I don't come to bury him. I come to praise
Manrui the Panda. Manrui is walking on a cardboard great wall. He starts to run, turning into a rolling black and white ball of plasticine that bounces up suddenly to become a flying red crowned crane. We're lucky, Jerry, aren't we? Aren't we lucky? Thanks for listening to this episode of Fresh New Shorts. If you enjoyed this story, please rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the book, A Physicist Guide to Love by John Blackmore on amazon.com, .ca, or your country site. Please subscribe and come back to listen to us again.